You can get consolation from all sorts of falsehoods, but because it's consoling, it doesn't mean. <laughs> Are we recording right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're leaving that. There is no evidence for any kind of supernatural being of any you kind. You think people should yeah. not have a choice of what to do with their body? Anti-murdering the unborn. And I say to the grown-ups, if you want to deny evolution and live in your world that's completely inconsistent, you say we would record when the music started. That's fine. But don't make your kids do it. But why should I believe? Well, because it's the truth. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Science, Faith, and Reasoning. Today I've got really good old friend of mine, Reed Chambers. Welcome, Reed. Thank you, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be here uh, this evening. Today we're going to have a less of a serious conversation, as we normally do on the show. As you can tell, the music, uh, <laughs> if you've tuned into this podcast from outer space and the interweb, you're probably thinking we're a complete joke. And today it's probably going to sound like that until the end. But today we're talking about Star Wars. And we're talking about just some of our memories with Star Wars, where we think the franchise has gone, what we like, what we don't like. And then also we're going to tie in at the end, we're going to talk about, you know, what kind of Christian symbolism do we see mm, in Star Wars. Interesting. And let's go ahead and kick this thing off. So first off, before we get into the questions, uh, Reed, if you How long is this to, music uh, continuing? It will be ending very shortly. It's not throughout the entire thing. No. <laughs> okay. It's ending in about five seconds. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> so anyway, Reed, tell us a little bit about yourself. We know you do a little, uh, a little bit. <laughs> the good, abrupt ending there. Fade off. <laughs> uh, what'd you say? I'm sorry. I was saying, uh, tell us about yourself a little bit. What do you do for a living? What is your, uh, how's your ministry going? All that, all that jazz. Um. Well, my name is Reed Chambers. I am a husband to Jill Chambers, I'm father of four, Hattie Solomon, Beatrix, and Lydia, our youngest, who's about the same age as your baby. Yes. You ever talk about your baby on these things? Well, I haven't had the baby for very long, so I've only done one podcast mm, mm. since I've had the child, and I did not mention it, I don't think. Yeah, so Daniel and I, who are both very close, we love one another. We're good friends. Uh, his first baby is 20 days younger than my fourth baby, right? Is that right? Yes, 20 days. So uh, it was a nice serendipity that the Lord gave us. We're hoping they grow up and be friends. Uh, I know this is off topic. Uh, okay, so back to a little bit about me. I am. Uh, I wear a few hats uh, with my job. I work at my church. I... Uh, my primary positions are I work senior high, so like high school age students. And then I also have a uh, outreach ministry at a local college for uh, international students. Uh, the college has a pretty large language institute. So people from around the world come and, uh, you know, the whole, you know, make disciples of all nations uh, it's it's interesting because I get to do that literally like in awesome. my backyard, you know, yeah. so it's like I could cool. go out and that would <laughs> probably be more admirable. But uh, the nations literally come to me and I get to uh, interact. I get to share the gospel, get to make uh, friendships. So, yeah, that's that's the majority of what I do. And I will say, too, if any of my students are listening who are going to Gadsden State. Ooh. Um, now, I know you work with a lot of international students. But. but 
Yeah, could I, the the Americans. Yeah, the American students are always welcome. We have we always have a handful of them that'll come to events. Uh, How would they get in touch with you with your ministry? Oh, that's a really really good question. Uh, if you live in the dorm, you're going to see me. Guaranteed, you're going to see me. Uh, Thirty-five-year-old, big bushy beard and glasses. You won't miss me. <laughs> if you're not, some in people the dorm, say he looks like Zach Galifianakis. Some people say that. Other people say Brad Pitt, though. So it's kind of an in between. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, I'm in the I'm in the cafeteria pretty often for lunch. Uh, again, you'll see me if you go there. Uh, I guess you could reach out, like through social media or something. I mean, look me up, Reed Chambers. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, my ministry is not the most publicized thing. It's not something that's plastered everywhere. Uh, part of me prefers that. Part of me thinks I could probably be more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More marketing. More yeah, marketable. yeah, yeah. I could probably market myself better, but I, I, I don't. I'm not. I don't like to market myself, so it is kind of covert. But uh, yeah, yeah. If you end up at Guys and State, I would love for you to get involved. We have, we'll have Bible Bible studies most Fridays. We plan events like kayaking. Uh, we did Six Flags not long ago. Uh, just general hangouts, um, but no, I, I'm though I do work with internationals. Uh, I've never, you know, told American students, "Oh no, like you can't come." Like I, I love them, you know. I've made some good friends, even in the American genre. <laughs> well, I would definitely, any of my students that may be listening to this, highly re- would highly recommend it. And I think too, if you are a Christian and you've been in youth group and things like that, when you get to college, I find I find that those types of ministries are a lot more fun. Um, you're disconnected from your family. It's it's you doing it because you want to now, and it's a lot more rewarding. You'll meet people you've never met before. It's It really is a lot of fun. Yeah, and honestly, to me, for the Americans who get involved, <clears throat> the experience of seeing uh, the culture and their beliefs of different countries around the world is always eye-opening. It's really intriguing. So uh, it's not just like your average run-of-the-mill you know, ministry in the sense of, you know, we grew up in the Bible Belt. Everybody, most people just claim Christianity default, but these internationals do not. So it's it's always interesting to see the conversations and the views and all that stuff. So I don't know. It's it's a good time if you if you come. All right. Well, I guess we will <clears throat> uh, get into the questions here. So again, we're talking about Star Wars. Um, we're both. Pretty big Star Wars fans. Mm, yeah. Uh, I haven't been filming my podcast lately because um, I'm pretty lazy and it's a lot of work. So we're just doing audio. I find it's more enjoyable that way anyway. And I realized, I was thinking about it, most of the, um, I guess you would say, informative podcasts or political or religious uh, things that I watch or listen to, I generally just listen to the audio anyway. So I feel like I may as well make the kind of things I like to listen to, but... Anyway, our first question is, what has our experience been with Star Wars in general? And when did we first watch a Star Wars movie? And I guess we'll start with you, unless you want me to go first. No, I could go. Um, So I guess it would have been, you know, I guess it was like mid-90s. You probably wouldn't have been old. I don't know how old you would have been. Well, I was born in uh, 95, so. Yeah, so it would have been around then. (laughs) I remember our dad, uh, my dad, came home with the uh, trilogy uh, re-release set 
you know, the original trilogy um, on VHS. And he was like, oh, yeah, this is Star Wars. And honestly, I think that's like the first time I'd ever heard of it. Definitely saw anything. But then we, you know, we slide it in the, the VCR and, and watch it. And yeah, I mean, you're just, I think at that point, you're just hooked. You know, it's like, oh, man, this is freaking awesome. Like, you got the lightsabers, <laughs> you got the space battles. Uh, I don't know. I guess I know some people don't like Star Wars, but to me, uh, the whole concept is like, what's not to like? Oh, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's it, phenomenal. For me, it was, well, in the mid 90s, I would have been an infant. So it would have been later for me. But, well, you remember <clears throat> we had, uh, obviously, we both come from families of seven, big old, big homeschool yeah. families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for us, at one point, we had five boys, I know for sure, maybe six at some point. In the upstairs uh, uh, room. Ah, yeah, I remember that. We had an addition to our house. There's, uh, we were packed in there like pack racks, uh, pack rats. And uh, we had, I want to say my first introduction to Star Wars was the old movies because we were all about like Death Star stuff. We used to create forts and pretend like we were in the gunners mm. in the old space battles from the old movies. Yeah. And we painted a mural on the wall. And you guys, I think, helped with that. Uh no, we're not, not. We are not artists of any kind. I remember well, when y'all were painting it. It was not great art. I mean, it what? was. Pre- <laughs> <laughs> I want to say David and Joe did most. Okay, of let me ask this: Y'all only painted Star Wars up there once. Yeah, it okay. was one it wall. Was, it was pretty good. It I was, remember yeah, that. It was cool. It was, <laughs> it was the surface cool. of the Death Star, and then you had like Tie Fighters yeah, and swings. That was sweet. It was sweet. <laughs> painted over it later when. All the boys got kicked out, and Rachel moved up there, and we painted it pink. No, no, no. Let me Did elaborate. Let me elaborate here. <laughs> Rachel, I rent my own room, and the, and their mom, being the sweetheart she is, is like, "Oh, you can sleep in this room. Y'all are painting it pink." And I remember hearing about that before it happened, and I was like, "No, y'all can't like that. The work of art up there is beautiful. You can't paint over that." They painted it pink. Guess what? Rachel never even moved into the room. No, never, never even moved in. in. Uh, never spent one night. Not even one night. Because I think she was too scared. She was too scared. Yeah. Huge disappointment. So my experience would have been with the old ones first. <laughs> for some reason, we were obs- obsessed. Like, I guess when you're a homeschool family and you only have like 10 movies, and the Star Wars series takes up six of those, mm, you yeah. watch... I mean, sixty percent of your movies are Star Wars anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> we were we were straight up obsessed. First time I watched it, I mean, as my earliest memories of watching TV, I remember watching some type of Star Wars movies. So as far back as I can remember, it was. Yeah, I know nine. that. You know, growing up, we didn't have cable until I was probably, I don't know, thirteen or something. But we did have TV, like PBS and stuff like that. You know, Arthur, Zoom, all that fun stuff. Uh, but I feel like for the faucets, <laughs> their dad was really adamant about like knowing what they're going to watch. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah. Definitely. So he had certain movies they could watch, and they watched them religiously over and over and over. So, yeah, like, I mean, I remember going to their house, and that's what's like, like Star Wars is just on the TV. They're like, oh, you're going to watch Star Wars? It's like <laughs> for the hundredth time. Yeah, let's watch it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, if we were ever, I mean, I can remember playing pretend as a nine-year-old, pretending to be Jedis, mm. pretending to be Wookiees or whatever. I mean, that was just, it was the imagination, it was the entertainment, it was, if we're building Legos, we're building Star Wars environments. We were obsessed. I mean, as far back as I remember, it was it was the go-to uh, media. And I guess if we're going to talk about favorite Star Wars memories, there to me, my childhood Star Wars memories all kind of just blend together as just part of 
almost like a connecting theme of my childhood. But one of my favorite memories, and it's the worst Star Wars movie ever made, mm. was when we all went to Episode Seven oh, in Atlanta. That was God. a blast. It was a, it was great. You know, I have mixed feelings about that night. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> no, tell me. That was it. Well, they did confiscate your uh, lightsaber because apparently oh, it's, it's a, a weapon. weapon. You're going to hurt somebody. The whole thing, the whole thing, honestly, was outrageous. Um, well, it's a Star Wars movie. You do not expect people to bring lightsabers. I know. Uh, in addition to that, there were some other things. That was a fun night. I mean, I'll agree with that. Like, we were all at Joe's beforehand, dressing up. You know, we all dressed up. They did think Nathan was... Uh, <laughs> right? Ray. Yeah, he dressed up as a, what is that, Tuscan Raider, same person. And then they made him take his face off, and that's why they, they thought he was a girl. Yeah, that's right. They were like... <laughs> it's ironic, because now face masks are just everyday thing. But back then, it was a danger. You could right. be a terrorist with that face mask on. Oh, yeah. Uh, so a couple of memories I have, Star Wars memories, also premiere memories, and they're honestly a little bit sentimental to me because they involve uh, John Stone, <laughs> mm. whom, uh, you know, he, he passed away a few years ago. We love him. Still love the guy. But uh, episode two, I remember we dressed up, of course. <laughs> And there was a radio station out there, and they were, like, filming. And him and – I can't remember, but he – I think it was Patton. Him and Patton start having a lightsaber duel to get on the camera. <laughs> and he does this twist move where he, like, spins in a circle. And he had all this candy. He was sneaking in <laughs> to the theater, and it was all, like, tucked into his pants or something. And when he did the spin move, it all flew out of his <laughs> pants and went everywhere on the ground. And uh, they were still in the packages. Like, he didn't mess it up. But it was like like he was exposed, you know, like, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> now they know I'm sneaking candy in. Uh, and then the other one, a little bit sweeter than that, uh, it was, which one was it? Episode, it was one of the newer ones, episode eight. Is that the one where Luke faces Kylo Ren? Is that right? The new movies, honestly, man, I couldn't tell you much about them. I think I've only it seen is. them once. I think it is. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, I got to sit sit right next to John for that movie, and we were able to talk back and forth the entire time. And uh, it was, yeah, yeah, it was the one where Luke shows up to face him. And I remember, I, I I knew it was happening. I was like, Luke's not actually there. I was like, I've noticed his hair was different. Everything was different. And I leaned over to John. I was like, I caught it. I was like. That's not actually late. And John's like, no way. I was like, I swear. And then when it happened, he looked at me and he was like, super impressed. It was a proud moment for me. And it involved John. So that was, uh, it was a good moment. Those are some of my two, two good memories with Star Wars. Well, oh. that was convenient. <laughs> so that means it's time for a commercial break. Uh, when we get back from the commercial break, we're going to be talking about what our favorite Star Wars set of movies is. Oh man, that's Talking a good one. Trilogies, I guess. <laughs> um, and you guys probably already know my answer to that. I think I know Reeds. Mm, do you? I better know Reeds. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll be back after the break. All right, we're back to Science, Faith, and Reasoning. We're here with uh, Reed Chambers. Reed Chambers, that's me. And we've been talking about Star Wars, and when we left off, the question was, what is your favorite Star Wars 
set of movies. So we'll be talking about trilogies. So Reed, what is your favorite uh, trilogy and why? Now, uh, well, let yeah, me ask you this. You ahead. were born after, obviously, the older ones. I was born after the older ones, but I was also old enough before the uh, prequels came out. So, like, for you, the prequels would have been fresh, right? Yes. I mean, I saw... Um, I barely remember Epi 2 in theaters. Yeah. And Epi 3, I have a pretty good... I remember Epi 3, so... But Epi yeah. 1 was... I don't even remember that in theaters. I was so little. Okay. But he, I guess you were growing up in the middle of that trilogy developing yes, and coming yeah. out. So for me, it was like the transition period. You know, the the original trilogy had been out for a while. And the prequel trilogy had not come out yet. So, of course, I was introduced. My first experience with Star Wars was the original trilogy. And they're phenomenal movies, obviously. So in one sense, the original trilogy holds a very special place in my heart. But I will say this. The prequel trilogy, I think, has more nostalgic tie to it for me than the original. And I think it's because we lived that... Uh, for, well, for one, because we lived through it, right? So like, it was coming out, it was fresh, it was brand new. We were getting all the excitement, just like the the people who originally saw, saw Star the original Star Wars had. But also, I think it was because we lived with, like, we, we lived through it with y'all. Like, mm, the, the yeah. Fawcett's, the Stones, uh, the Hicks were, were big friends of ours back then. And uh, because of that, I probably have more fond memories tied to that. It's hard to say. I, I mean, honestly, I think if I had to pick one trilogy out of all of them to just be like, that's the one I'm sticking with. It would be the newest ones, uh, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to have to just end the podcast right there. No, no, I, <laughs> that's a joke. It would probably be one, two, and three. Honestly, well, with one, two, and three, you've got memories of collecting coins. Yeah, and a DG that's the thing. There's just by. there's just too much tied to it. But also, the movies are good. Like I know they got a lot of flack when they came out. I know they did. But as a kid growing up on it, I didn't, I didn't see the the bad you know i was like yeah. oh what do you mean like this is awesome you know everybody hated george r it's like okay yeah he's goofy he's stupid but so he's you know he's funny he's cool uh the the pod racing like in episode one it's just like next level oh my gosh like, it, it's when, magical yeah yeah when that came out like that's you know that's before cgi really took off it's before all the magic started happening i mean i know you had jurassic park which was phenomenal but i think like in the sci-fi genre just it blew our minds i know it blew y'all's minds oh yeah um, <laughs> matrix came out that year too didn't it i think you're right the original matrix so uh, i think you're right it was yeah. that matrix cutting edge matrix was mind-blowing for me mm. um, we were obsessed with that movie. Wait, wait, hold on hold on did y'all get to watch that as kids as far back as i remember we were watching it i don't know if our parents didn't know that it was somewhat <laughs> violent and yeah, i mean a little intense that's but, a little surprising i mean it's pg-13 there's no nudity. Yeah, but I mean... Um, there's not even much language. When y'all watched through Shrek, y'all had to skim yeah, through certain parts. Well, our parents were... Violence didn't bother our parents. Yeah, that's true. It was like F-bombs and nudity. And nudity, yeah. sex, yeah. It's like the Patriot where... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what is it? Benjamin Martin's like blood's coming out of this guy's back on his face in the woods. Like, that didn't bother our family. But <laughs> a few cuss words and, you know, we were... Not supposed to watch that, but <laughs> for me, just thinking, obviously in hindsight, way more memories with one, two, and three. Yeah. Um, 
Also, I went back recently and watched four, five, and six about yeah. a year ago. Okay. And I watched one, two, and three. And I did some background research on what were the expectations for each, like crowds and things. And the expectations rep, the first one that came out was very low. George oh, yeah. Lucas did not think it was even going to be a, a success. He, he wrote didn't, he it. didn't think there was going to be a second one. No, and you can tell when you go back and watch them that four, which he tied it into five and six mm-hmm. well, very well, but you could tell it was written as a standalone, standalone yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. And when you watch one, two, and three, and this is what these losers who like seven, eight, nine do <laughs> not understand. One, two, and three were written at once at George Lucas's desk. Mm. Like they tie together so perfectly. They Conversations do. from episode one tie into episode three. Tensions building, relationships, drama. Like it's it's incredible how cohesive it is. And to me, when you watch four, five, and six, and especially seven, eight, nine, it is very disappointing how they do not tie together near as well as one, two, and three. Yeah. In my no. opinion. I mean you're you're right about that. And I think that's the thing. One of the things, not the only thing, but one of the things about seven, eight, nine that does irritate me is it was like it was like flying by the seat of your pants. Everything yes. was just on a whim. It's, it's obvious. Like, and, it, and it's so obvious. And it's like, why would they do this? Like, it, it, it just irritates me. There's definitely some cool parts in those movies. There's definitely parts that I appreciated and liked. But as a whole, it's like you said. It's like, could they not have had the foresight right. to be like, hey, us just doing it on a whim is not going to look. Or, or you know, the comprehension of it is just not going to, it's not going to meld together well. And it didn't. Like, it was just... Choppy. And right doesn't there. Finn use a lightsaber in episode seven and you start thinking he's going to become a Jedi and then nothing happens with that? Like, there's so many things that just fizzled out that you thought they were building towards something and just didn't go anywhere. They yeah. just all are kind of standalone. I, I don't know. It was, And then, of course, episode seven is just a rehash of episode four, essentially. I mean, if you like, <laughs> if you just took the synopsis and you're like, all right, there's a big planet-sized thing that destroys other planets, and and there's a robot that has uh, an information that the bad people want, and they're sending it away, and they're looking for that robot. Uh, and then, oh, they they destroy the bad thing, and it explodes, and everybody celebrates, and it's like... I, I, I was highly disappointed. Like, I know I'm not... <laughs> I know I'm not like the perfect person to make a Star Wars movie, but I'm like, I could have made a significantly better movie than that. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, easily, because I think that that's the thing. I think they tried to play off nostalgia. So it's like, oh, let's do some familiar things. People will love it. But it's like, I don't think, I don't I don't know. That's not what I wanted. You know, I wanted no. I wanted something fresh, something cool, and it was rehashed. I don't know. It wasn't good. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I don't write off those movies. The the last trilogy. I know a lot of people will. Like Joe would be like, <laughs> you know, he he just hates them entirely. But I, I I can still find little nuggets of gold in them and appreciate them because it's well, it's, it's a Star, Star Wars. Movie. Yeah, it's Star Wars. That's You're right. gonna like a Star it's the, Wars. It's the lure. It's the the four. I mean, you know, I think the better new Star Wars things that have been made are not seven, eight, nine, but like Rogue One. I thought it was good. Really Rogue, good movie. Rogue, Rogue One was good. And I liked the uh, Solo movie. I thought that was good. Solo was because really I good. didn't have expectations coming in. <laughs> yeah. It was just pure entertainment. But seven, eight, nine, I had heavy expectations, and I was very disappointed. From the from the very beginning, when Disney bought uh, Lucas Films, I know how Disney is, and they'll milk things until they're crap. Yeah. So, like <laughs> for instance, Pixar which has not always been a Disney company. I mean, it got bought fairly early, but 
they're kind of their own little section, right? And they make some of the best animated movies, in my opinion, out there. But Disney has forces them. Like, oh, you make this movie, you have to make two sequels to it. Like, if they force it. Like, forced creativity is never as good as organic. Oh. Like, straight from the heart kind of stuff. So, I, I figured they would do the same with Star Wars. And they will. And they have a little bit. But, you know, <laughs> it's Disney. <laughs> if you had to pick a favorite movie of all of the movies, if just one movie, what would you say is your favorite? Ooh, boy. <laughs> I don't know, man. I love everyone. I love everyone. The ending where it's like there's three different things going on at once. It's switching back and forth. Uh, the duel with Qui-Gon, Darth Maul, and everyone is freaking amazing. But then all, some of the old, you know, some of the old uh, original trilogy ones, trilogy ones are really good. And, and I actually really love episode three. I'm a big oh, fan of yeah. episode, episode three. three. Woo. We went back and watched them. I forgot how good that movie was. So good. I think when I went and saw it in theaters, from the very beginning, I was like, that was solid. Like, okay, so like episode two, <laughs> not the biggest fan, but like uh, one of the things that makes me mad about episode two was the fight between Yoda and Count Dooku. Yeah. Hated that fight. It was ridiculous. I remember being uh, mad in theaters whenever yeah. I started laughing. Yeah. And it's I was like, like, wow, this is what Star Wars has become. Just but then they totally redeemed themselves when he fought uh, Sidious. When Yoda fought Darth Sidious was freaking awesome. Like, yeah. I liked it. It was a good pace. The What, what happened was cool. I don't know, Daniel. That It's hard for me to pick favorite anything. It is. So I don't know if I can give you a solid answer. I'll be honest yeah. with you. Um, How about you, big guy? I, so I've been thinking about it the whole time. Uh, the first three, to me, are better than anything else. Uh, and that's obviously a very personal <laughs> view. A lot of people will be mad about that. Now, when you say first three, are you saying prequel? Prequels, yeah. Okay, All the prequels. Okay. Um, Empire is really good. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So probably be... Probably like, I, I'm honestly torn between uh, episode two being my favorite. Uh. I, <laughs> I actually love episode two because the stuff, and I know we used to bash it as kids because we're like, oh, it's all about Anakin and Padme. It's like this generic romance. But that, that actually ties all of, that's what explains it, it, everything about the entire series yeah. is Padme. Yeah. I mean, in a, in a sense it does. It's his obsession. It becomes his corruption. He kills her, and then it becomes his regret, and it's what makes him so dark. And yeah, all no, that is yeah. based on episode two, the lust, on, and his obsession with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. You're right. I'm not going to disagree, but I, well, let me tell you something about episode two. I do do not like. Okay, Animation. and that is, huh? No, that is the clone army. I, I yeah. Somebody explained. Somebody explained. But me. that explains a lot because that the is, fact that they stumble upon this. No, no, no. Army. But that, that's what's amazing. It's the grand <laughs> plan. Of Darth Sidious. Yeah, but how it are they... It ties the six movies together. <laughs> and the Daniel, Stormtroopers. But Daniel, let's think about this logically for a second. Everybody, you know, all the Jedi are having these bad feelings. Oh, there's a disturbance in the Force. They stumble upon a, a massive army of Stormtroopers that, of course, they have no idea what these things are. And they're just like, oh, well, yeah, we'll use them. It. But see... What well, was we it? use it those was, guys. Uh, <laughs> Master Sifo-Dyas oh, placed boy. the order. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and he had been dead for a long time. But didn't they say? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't but know. Also, but that's it. another thing. That's another thing. Like, is that not still a red flag? Even if it was an old Jedi Master, right? It's like, yeah. 
Is it not a red flag that a Jedi Master is building an army? Yeah, that's the Jedi. Concerned. The Jedi are but, not an army. They even say that, you know. But it also goes back to how well the first three movies are written, <laughs> and how well Darth Sidious is just behind the veil I, the I entire do, time. I mean, I, again, I love how he's like this master puppeteer. Like he plays yeah. both sides. I think it's amazing. And in all three movies, they're like something's clouding the force. Yeah, yeah. And it's him pulling yeah, the it's, strings. It's, it's bad, ain't no doubt. But <laughs> I still can't. It's hard for me to get past just the. Stumbling upon the clone army. Oh yeah, this old Jedi master has made the order, and then they just accept it. It's like <laughs> I, I don't understand it. Like this is not y'all's job. Y'all's job is not to lead an army against a bunch of robots or the yeah. whatever. <laughs> uh, was it? Who was opposed to it? Because wasn't it some of them not didn't want to accept? Yeah, them? yeah, I can't remember. I'd have to I go back to watch. That, but. Yeah, to me, episode two just is a lot of, and at the time when I first saw it, we always used to bash it, mm-hmm. and we would say it's the worst one, but when I went back and watched the movies, I just didn't realize how much quality writing was in that movie, and even some of the dialogue between Anakin and Padme. Oh, yeah, there's some good dialogue. And there's one point, and Joe was talking about this, about uh, Anakin's talking to Padme about the sand, and she's like, I swim out to the island and we sunbathe or whatever. And he's like, I hate the sand. It's coarse. It gets it gets everywhere. <laughs> and it's so cool because it ties into him on Tatooine as a slave. Yeah, 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 so yeah. his memories with sand oh, yeah. would have been very negative. It's just like, it's so much more well thought out and well written than I remembered when I went back and watched it. Another complaint, if I, if I may, is <laughs> anybody with any sense, any sense at all, would have seen Anakin Light was totally into Padme, lusting after him. Listening after her, and she was reciprocating that. And what do they do but send them off to a private? I mean, you know, it's like again, it's like yeah, that's pretty. Bad s- it's like the Jedi were just blind. Maybe you could. Well, let's maybe- talk about that next question because the next question is, <laughs> what would you rather be a Jedi or Sith? But we'll talk about <laughs> maybe let's break down Jedi versus Sith. At this point, the Sith seem a little more intelligent than yeah. the Jedi, and there's a lot less of them. Yeah, they come in twos. The rule of two, yeah. I actually had a, uh, on Star Wars Day, May May 4th, we had Star Wars trivia at our church, and I got involved. And you won, it got, obviously. It got very heated. It was a little cheating going on, not with me, but I, we did People end up, looking we did end up winning. But that was one of the questions, was the rule of two, and of course I got it. I mean, come on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, the question was, what is how many Sith are usually? Well, it was like, what, the question was, what is the rule of two? Oh, I got you. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah. It's the Sith rule, man. Um, I think the next ones, well, we'll talk about this, and then we'll talk about Christian symbolism. Um, if you had, if you were going to write a Star Wars movie, you, you have access to the Star Wars universe. You yep. can build off the series. You can branch off and do whatever you want. What would you like to see in the right, Star Wars I'm, universe? I'm going to go ahead and go. I've had this idea for years. Some people like it. We've some all heard don't. the pitch. Have you heard it? I have. Okay, so... Essentially, it'd be called, the title would be something like Star Wars, The Origins of the Force. Or like The Force Awakens, maybe. No, no, because it's The Origins (laughs) of the Force. So essentially, it's, you know, obviously, Galaxy Far, Far Away, long, long time ago, uh, but it's really long time ago. So, you know, you think about Yoda being hundreds of years old. You know, the Force has been around for as long as anybody can remember, but this is pre-Force. So there's no Force metachlorians i guess you would say right which is i wish that never happened but anyway you don't like the metachlorian thing i, I think it's stupid i like i like spirituality you know like i think yeah. oh you're saying it gives like a scientific explanation yeah and i'm not anti-science but it's like 
I don't know. I kind of liked the mystery of it, like the unexplainable part of it. You know, like where, what is this force? Why does some people have it? Why does some not? That would be more symbolism with Christian. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this the the synopsis of the story is uh, the galaxies. You know, maybe maybe it only focuses on. I know it could be a galaxy. Uh, you know, the different planets uh, are are like getting really corrupt. And maybe it could start off of some like super old person, like a woman or a man. It's like, you know, there's old blind eyes and they're like prophesying and they're like, there will be one who will come, you know, and make peace amongst the galaxy. And then all of a sudden this, uh, this baby's born and the premise is this, and this actually ties better with the Metachlorians. So hear me out. The premise is this, this baby is born and every single Metachlorian that's ever existed, because in my mind, Metachlorians don't. Reproduce. They're just all there. Like they've always been there. So anyway, everyone that's ever existed is inside this baby. So just imagine that. Like we're like, oh man, you know, Darth Vader was so powerful. Sidious was so powerful. Imagine them looking like nothing compared to this thing, right? So he's born, and as he grows up, like he discovers his powers. Uh, you know, he has the Force, and he, you know, he he becomes he's like the chosen one, right? Just you know, just like the other the other, <laughs> pretty much all the other trilogies. But anyway. Uh, so he, he becomes like this first Jedi. He, he, he can, he, uh, constructs the very first lightsaber. Uh, he can use it like, you know, obviously to, uh, whatever, uh, the lasers will bounce off of it, that kind of stuff. And he uses everything for good. Like he's, a, he's just a savior. Like everybody looks up to him. And then, um, one day he falls in love like Anakin. Nothing bad happens though, but he, uh, uh, they conceive a child. And uh, I don't know at what point, consumption or birth. Probably consumption. Conception, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> consumption. Conception. He he feels himself lose half, like half his power, which would be weird. But anyway, and then his child is born. And he realizes like half his metachlorians, half the force is now in his son. And, uh, you know, he raises his son and, uh, you know, everything's going good. But at the same time, it's like he's he's bitter towards him, you know, because his son took part of this this power from him. He used to be like all powerful and now he's not. He now has this, kind of this contender. And the son grows up and the son is like super like just like upstanding, like loves to help people. And he ends up like discovering certain things about the force that his father didn't even know. So then the then the father begins to even more resent him. Like he's better than me. Like he's. So needless to say, there's this huge, I mean, I just if you could just imagine, like a huge epic battle between father-son, right? I mean, it goes along with Star Wars perfectly. <clears throat> a huge battle between father and son. And I want you to imagine if two Jedi had all the Metachlorians. Like, they couldn't just, it's not just like force throw, force push. It's like they're flying. Like, they're just like flying through the air. And, and their battles are just insane. Like, uh, remember the Matrix, like when uh, Neo and Agent Smith are battling that final battle and they punch each other in like the rain just remember that mm. imagine that but like you know even more extreme so anyway he ends up killing his father and when his father dies it's like the medical just disperse and then all of a sudden you see it's like a glowing aura something like that and they start going around and they disperse around all the galaxies so that's like the origin of it right so they die he dies and that's how it all happens I don't know. I think it'd be really cool if you wrote it down, all the details. I think it's a cool origin story for the Force. Uh, you know, obviously there'd be a lot more details than that, but yeah, yeah, that's my, that would be my premise for a Star Wars movie. That is uh, <clears throat> that's excellent. I 
I had thought of um, while you were saying that. I don't really have a good idea for a new movie. Like I haven't been thinking about that. I've always wanted something completely unrelated to the uh, series that they've made. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so something in the universe that has nothing to do with any of these old characters mm-hmm. that have been overdone. Okay, seven, right. eight, nine. If yes. it told us anything, it was that these characters <laughs> need to die. Um, but I think what'd be cool if a follow-up to yours, oh. or if what you're talking about was the first like 15 minutes of epic narration and storytelling mm-hmm. leading up to like this tribal group that's coming up on a planet that for somehow knows the story and they've passed it down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. And now they've got a few people in their tribe that are like lifting objects or something. Oh, yeah. And they're like, these are the people that we knew would come from this. And like, that's how it starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind um, of, uh, would that be a, a, a sequel to my story? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or your story is like an epic intro to... Oh, so my movie gets turned into an intro. Your movie Thanks gets a turned lot. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yours would be an intro. Mine would be the movie. Yeah, of course. Um, which I guess we'll plug this right into uh, where we see the gospel in Star Wars. I've thought about this just a lot. Just um, I guess thinking about Christian doctrines and when, especially when you rewatch Star Wars, seeing some similarities and some things that fit nicely. I think. And I think Into with Star Wars story, I think with any, I think when you are regularly, I don't know. Uh, so for me, like I teach a lot uh, on gospel centered stuff, and I think when you're in the Word a lot and you're te- having to teach it, I think everything you, <laughs> everything around you becomes a potential, like illustration, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like, like you're saying, like how did, how can you pull a gospel illustration out of this movie? So yeah, yeah, I've I've thought about, and there's a lot of parallels you know, in Star Wars, but yeah, it's a good question. So what are some things that we could see? Maybe uh, just thinking about Jedi versus Sith, I think it's easier to uh, destroy than it is to build things up. Um, spiritually, I feel like. Mm. It's like somebody can spend their entire life being sanctified as a Christian and doing, you know, following God, and then maybe they get off track for just a month and then they cheat on their spouse, mm. life goes down, and they blow their brains out. And it's like, whoa, Like this guy was living for Christ and was, yeah. had this great life. And it takes very little to corrupt a good thing, very little like leaven. And the Sith, they come in twos. Yeah. You know, It's a small group. Yeah. Even they hate each other. And it's such a perfect picture of sin and how it corrupts people. Mm. And then also that it takes very little of the evil it takes like 20 Jedis to fight, you know, like our two Jedis to fight Darth Maul. Like, I don't know. I, I like that picture of evil being very powerful. I think that's there's a lot of truth to that. Are you saying evil is more powerful than good? No, I just think it's easier for evil. Um, well, I th- it's natural. Yeah. It's well, it's especially, to especially yeah. And you're in this world. Who you know the the devil rules this world. The, you know he, his minions run around uh, treating us like puppets, pretty much. But no, you're absolutely right. It's it's easy. Corruption happens. It's the it's what you would call the past the path of least resistance, right? Right. Like that's the natural flow. If no no intervention happens, yeah, you're right. I agree. And in Anakin's life, I mean, it's like an active fight, mm. a battle against this pull into that path of least resistance. Absolutely. <laughs> and then it yeah, and then it crashes really quickly. But then in, uh, to add to that, you could say it only takes a moment for God to break into a hardened heart 
you know, if you're looking at Darth Vader, right? I was about to say. At the end of it. <laughs> you know, he gets, he, I mean, really, he catches this glimpse. And really, you could, you could say, in a sense, you know, it's a gospel illustration. Like, his son, whom should, he, whom he should have no feeling towards his father. Like, his father, you know, essentially killed his mother. His father, uh, you know, essentially abandoned him. His father has never been there. And all he wants him to do, all his father wants him to do is to become evil like him. And what is what does Luke do? He's he's essentially dying for him. I mean that scene, right? I mean, Sidious is shocking him, and he's like, "Father, like, why are you letting this happen?" But in that moment, like, that's it. Like, that's that's the good that that Anakin needed, just that glimpse of the gospel, right? I mean, that's mm. that's what we need. We need to be able to see it just for a little bit, and and it'll change our change our hearts completely. Yeah, and ultimately, Darth Vader felt love. Yeah, he felt love again. Again. And that had to be pulling on his his robotical heartstrings. Ah oh, man, yeah, his robot. <laughs> it's bionicle. He's not robotic. a robot. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, and some interesting things too about uh, like the pull of the sin or pull of the Sith. Like with Anakin's uh, training, they didn't. It was against their better judgment mm. to, and they compromised they to did. train him. And just like with sin, you compromise. You do something you know is wrong. Um, or he was too old, whatever was in the law that they had, the Jedi, whatever. And uh, that turned out to be a pretty big problem. I know he was redeemed in the end, but really, think of the death that Darth Vader brought into the galaxy uh, because they compromised. Yeah. Pat and and, and, and uh, that's the thing. And it's also one of those things where, you know, the view was he's the chosen one, right? Like he's going to be the one to bring balance to the Force, which is always weird to me because it's like... <laughs> There were way more Jedi. It's like, wouldn't balance be a lot of y'all dying? And that's what I... <laughs> I guess it was true. Yeah, I guess it was true. But anyway, you know, they're like, he's the one that's going to, you know, basically be the savior. And it's essentially, they were projecting what they wanted, right? Mm. Like, this is what they wanted so bad that they were, able, they were able to compromise what they normally would do. And and it definitely bit him in the butt. And yeah, like you said, millions of people were killed because of it. Billions, probably. He, he blew up planets. And Anakin's own life, the compromises, knowing the whole situation with Padme was wrong. Like, he wasn't supposed to be in a relationship oh, yeah, at yeah. all. That's, yeah, that's another compromise. And he followed his lust, followed, compromised, end up being the death of Padme mm. and almost his two unborn children. Luke and Leia, if you don't know. Yeah, Luke and Leia. They were twins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's good. That's good. There's definitely a lot there. Um just a quick one, uh, and I'm sure you know George Lucas intentionally did this, but just a reference to uh, this, you know, the the gospel story, which is uh, or is it Shmi? Uh, Shmi. I say Shmi. Is that right? I think so. I think you're right. Shmi, uh, and <laughs> she had a virgin birth. Yeah. If you remember, she talks to Qui Gon, and he's like, "Who's the father?" And she's like, "There was no father." You know, I just got pregnant, and it's like, whoa. So obviously, like George Lucas took that out of scripture, like the the birth of Christ. But uh, yeah, so I mean, that's just a small one. That's nothing huge, and it's very in your face. It's not. It's really not even symbolic. It's just <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's similar, and then it's super different because Anakin was like more of an antichrist, I guess. Yeah, in some ways. yeah, kind of, yeah. It's a weird. I guess Anakin's more of a picture of all of us. Than he is a Christ character. Mm. Um, life okay. of sin, you know, fallen lust, and then being redeemed in the end. That's true. But 
it is interesting that it was a virgin birth. Um, and I guess I've always thought of the force as or the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, something that's there, it's guiding, it's it's uh, helping, but it, uh, you know, you can't physically see with your eyes. Uh, and of course, just like, you know, Star Wars, uh, only the ones who are, who are chosen, only the ones who are born again right. have access, you know, to the Holy Spirit, who's really, you know, has influence on their life. So, yeah. And then some general things I think the Jedi exhibit is it's, it's like a Jewish almost uh, religious sect. It kind of gives me vibes of that. Just kind of like the robes and mm. the authority and things like that. And the council makes me think of like the high priest and mm. things. I don't know how far you could go with that. Um, but I do see like discipleship and how they would have an apprentice. Like all of that screams discipleship to me. Like good Christian practice, mm. holding each other accountable, um, having someone under you who's less knowledgeable, who you kind of mentor. Yeah, shepherding. Shepherding, definitely. Yeah. And then you have the elderly who are like these wise elders they seek for guidance, like you would have at a church. Mm, yeah, um, all good. So yeah, there's a lot of symbolism. And it's interesting to me how, because um, I listened to a, it's like a two-hour debate between two guys who had talked about whether it is Christian symbolism or not. And there was a guy who had worked um what's his name? I think it's Paul Ogia on YouTube. He's an atheist mm -hmm. and he's a cartoonist and all his YouTube videos, like a cartoon or whatever. And he had done some cartoon uh, work for the prequels. George Lucas had sought him out and hired him for that. Yeah. And what he said was just being around the construction of the films was that they were, they were largely taken from religion, uh, but it was a lot of religions. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was kind of a mashup of many different which things. Which you can see that. I mean, you can see just in like architecture and certain things like the Buddhist, you know, like Buddhist temples or whatever. Like, <clears throat> yeah, I could, I could see that, absolutely. Meditation. Meditation, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, would, I would agree with that. I wouldn't argue. Um, all right, let me, let me tell you this. So I read this in a book not long ago. So when it boils down to it, when it comes to like storytelling, right, uh, there is no greater story than the gospel story. Like there's no greater story. No one could imagine or come up with something more beautiful than that. And I think whether people like to admit it or not, or people even intentionally do it or not, I think a lot of, you know, even secular stories have that influence. I mean, for instance, I mean, you think about Star Wars, and I'm sure there were in, intentional ones. But uh, there's something very appealing about redemption, especially when you've fallen. But I read in this book once, it wasn't long ago, I was doing, we're going through some book with our youth group, and it was talking about, um, it, it, there was this page and it started out like, uh, you know, I'd like to tell you that the gospel is like this. And it gave different examples. Like, And one of them was Star Wars, it was like, you know, I want to say the gospel's like when Darth Vader, you know, uh, saved Luke from Darth Sidious. And they said, but, and, you know, it is in the sense that, you know, it was self-sacrificing, all that kind of stuff. He's like, but the difference is it would be like if Luke saved Darth Sidious from, from Darth Vader or something. Like as he was about to throw him down the chute. 
Like, I mean, think about that. If an audience watched that, they'd just be confused. Like, why? Why are you saving this decrepit old man who's who's trying to kill you? <laughs> and like, and that's the that's the picture. And that's what that's what the, the the lady who wrote this book said. She said people don't write stories where the good guy dies for the bad guy. And ultimately, the gospel that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, you have a bunch of enemies of God, people who hate God. I mean, just the just the crucifixion story itself. You know, at that point pretty much everybody around Jesus had turned on him. Like they rejected him. They wanted him to die. They were chaining, you know, crucify him, crucify him. And they were, they're the people who deserve death. They're the people who deserve to, you know, to die and, and be separated from God for eternity. And it's like, that's the thing that separates the gospel story from all the other ones. And the beauty of it is, uh, that he dies for the ones that are not worthy the ones who have don't, don't deserve it at all. You know, it's easy to look at a story where uh, Darth Vader, you know, saves his son. It's like, oh, well, he cared for him. Like, his heart was changed. And you understand it. Mm-hmm. You can sympathize. But with Christ, it's like, man, I would never do that. We would, would naturally, we'd just never do it. Right. Like, it's like, why would you, why would you die for the person who hates you and is ruining everything about the story? You died for him. And that really stuck with me. When I read that in the book, I was like, man, that's really good. Like, uh, the gospel is just very unique. And I think that's the thing. It's very counter-cultural. It's very opposite of what, like, if you're making up a story, you know, it's just like, why would you do it like that? Why not save the good people? Why not save the ones who are worthy? It's like, no, he saved literally the, the biggest wretches he could find. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, just wanted to add that. No, that's great. I think that's a great way to kind of tie everything together um, for the episode. Um, but I think, too, just build off of that, and that's what I think threw the Jews for such a loop, was that it was so opposite of who deserved, yeah. who in their eyes deserved love or God's love or God's choosing. You know, for the Jews, they thought that the way that they were righteous because of what they did and the rituals they followed. Not realizing that they were completely self-absorbed and self-righteous. So then Christ goes to those who were not. Yeah. And it's it's beautiful. It really is. And it's one of those things, you know, the gospel is one of those things where until, until the Holy Spirit really opens your ears and your eyes to its beauty, I think really, I think your heart ultimately can't really comprehend it. Like you could tell it over and over and over and you could hear the words and you could, you know, kind of comprehend. Yeah, yeah, I understand. But really, it's like you don't understand. It's like it's so much more radical than you could ever imagine. And, uh, you know, I've told you, I think I've told you this before, that, you know, people who become Christians later in life, they're, they'll go up to their pastor and be like, you know, I love that you preach the gospel every week. You know, and my, my old churches when I was younger, it never happened. And I remember somebody saying, what, what happened was it was happening. Like throughout your life, you're hearing the gospel, but you cannot hear it. Like it just hasn't broken through that hard heart of yours. And when it does, then you start hearing it everywhere. I mean, like life itself starts being viewed through the lens of the gospel and you see it everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And that's why I believe it's uh, ultimately is the power of God only that can open the eyes of your heart Mm. to the gospel. I don't think you can just say, all right, you know, I repeated a prayer and I'm saved. Um, if your heart isn't in it, if God hasn't opened the eyes of your heart, I feel like you're just saying something. 
you know. So I, I don't know. It, it is a little concerning for me when I hear um, at youth camp last week we had eighty salvations, yeah. and I'm excited that eighty people felt moved to, you know, hopefully genuinely said this, but as I'd be, you know, hesitant to just assume the power of God opened their eyes of their heart and they actually genuinely were saved. I can't assume that, you know, for everybody. So, yeah, and I, and I think, you know, in scenarios like that, I mean, I'm with you, not to be cynical or anything, but we do live in a culture that loves the, the numbers after a big event like right. that. But I, I think, you know, let's say that does happen or it's, it's reported that it happens. It's like, okay, then what we need to do is continue up with these people. Yes. Check like, in. like it, it's, it's not just a, okay, they're saved, send them on their way. It's like, okay, they're saved. They need to be discipled. They need to be shepherded. I mean, really for the remainder of their life. And I'm not saying like one person just is devoted to the rest of their life, but I'm saying like, it shouldn't be, Oh, you're saved. Okay. Then your soul is safe. It doesn't matter. Just go on your way. It's like, well, number one, like, let's see, you know, let's see some evidences. Let's see some fruit. Like, are they really, have they, have they really been given new hearts or is it the heat, you know, the passion of the moment, you right? Know, like the good preaching. <laughs> yeah. They need that discipleship, that accountability to see if God has changed their heart, what the fruit of that's going to be. Um, I don't believe in a gospel that doesn't change somebody's heart. I don't know. I think you're going to know and you're going to see. Fruit. Not that they're going to be perfect. There's a sanctification process, but mm-hmm. there's definitely a change uh, in your life if God is living inside of you. Um, Absolutely. So anyway, we can talk about that in an entire podcast. Oh, yeah. We should probably talk about that. that Fruits and Spirit good, at some that point. That would be a good subject. But Reed, thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, buddy. It was enjoyable. Good conversation. Very good uh, conversation. Very enjoyable. Um, I will be posting... Uh, links to read social media if you are in the <laughs> he's shaking his head <laughs> or somehow i will give you a way to get in contact with his ministry if you're going to get oh State. yeah yeah that's fine yeah that's, so that's fine you couldn't find a better guy to share the gospel with you to invest in your life uh we've been friends for my whole life and love the guy thank thankful for him he's a great great guy great dad great friend uh ditto big guy uh <laughs> It's. It, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to get started on anything, but uh, our relationship is interesting because he's so much younger than me. Yeah, we talked like, about that for a minute. We got a little time. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> but I feel like uh, from the youngest ages, like him being very young, we've always had some kind of spiritual connection. Like when yeah. when when all our brothers and stuff were off, you know, doing just a bunch of crazy things, which we also do crazy things. But at the same time, we would have those good you know, deeper conversations. And I think that's what I really loved and what, and what drew me to him. And I'm sure it's what drew, drew, uh, drew him to me. But, uh, you know, I don't even know, like looking back, it's like, was I even a Christian then? I don't know. Maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, but it was obvious that God was still working, you know, definitely through our relationship. And I'm forever appreciative of that. I'm sorry. Just a little segue. No, there's definitely a, <laughs> a mutual, uh, willingness to talk about those things with each other and i think that was a whether we were saved or not i think i wasn't saved probably in those earlier years Mm -hmm. um, but there was a willingness to talk about those things and where our heart was at and i think that breaks all age barriers i think so that spirit of god working in your life and i think that's what's always really tied us together i think so. and i think if you don't have a friend where when you get together 
if when you hang out with your friends, you feel drained and you don't feel like you've just had a glass of cold water, <laughs> you need to think about, is this person a Christian? <laughs> this is... <laughs> I think this is another separate podcast. Yeah, this is another separate <laughs> All good. I mean, I agree completely. But, uh, yeah, we probably need to wrap it up. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Science, Faith, and Reasoning. Please like and subscribe. Write a review. The last review I got was a one star. Ooh. And they said something about it not being enough about science. So, anyway. Well, what, your last podcast? I guess it was from the last podcast, which was all about science. It was science. all about science. I guess they it wasn't from... Now you gotta remember if you have a Christian perspective on science, mm. you can't do science. So oh, yeah, that was probably true. the problem there. That's right. I forgot you weren't qualified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Peace out.